This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station. KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome into this Monday edition of the Big Show on ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. It's Andy Humphrey, Brendan Schaefer, gravelly voice version is here too, as well as producer Chris Mitchell after yet another Super Bowl victory for your Kansas City Chiefs. For most of you, I guess I should say I should leave room for other NFL fans out there. I know there are a lot of uh, different ones in mid-Missouri. But the Chiefs doing it yet again, Brendan. What in the world is going on? What a game, boys. What a game. What a Season. What a playoffs by the Chiefs. So many thoughts from last night. I can't wait to get into all of it with you guys. Man, that was something else. And uh, Brendan, by the way, full disclosure, we don't we don't hide things on this show. Brendan is driving to Florida to get set for spring training. It's already that season uh, because he once football ends, he's like, oh, I'm ready to just ship on out and, and get ready for the sunshine and and baseball vibes. So that's why he is uh, uh, gravelly voice Brendan today instead of uh, usual dulce tones. Yeah, and naturally it's raining in Middle Tennessee, so go for ah! it. Right? But uh, we'll get through. We'll get through it. Okay, there's still time to to brighten things up. There's plenty to talk about though when it comes to the Super Bowl. As always, we're going to get our initial reactions here in a second. We're going to talk uh, the goat conversation, of course. Where are the Chiefs? Where's Patrick Mahomes? Where's everybody on the Chiefs uh, in the GOAT conversation now after this Super Bowl victory? We're talking about that at 5.05. Jeff Parles is going to join us at 4.25. Our good friend, former host of this fine radio program, and now in Vegas. He was there all week long uh, with South Point Studio and Sports by the Book, his show there. We'll hear from him at 4.25. Going to be great to get his thoughts about the uh, the entire week and how about this mizzou softball had a great weekend too going five and zero. so larissa anderson their head coach joins us at five forty-five to talk uh, the start of the season for mizzou softball which finished out very well over the weekend you can call or text us with your super bowl thoughts 875 ktgr you can also tweet us at ktgr big show and find us on facebook too at facebook.com slash ktgr big show now the big show's big deal. They keep doing it. They did it again this year. The Chiefs, in what was supposedly a down year, certainly felt that way late December. They get up off the mat, they ride through the playoffs, and then they get to Super Bowl 58 and they defeat the San Francisco 49ers for the second time in five years on that same stage. And they do it again by overcoming a 10-point deficit. Niners were up 10-0 to start the game. Patrick Mahomes leads a touchdown drive in overtime. This was the second-ever overtime game in Super Bowl history. Chiefs come out in front 25-22 in the end as Mahomes finds Nicole Hardman, of all people, the game-winning touchdown from three yards out. And the Chiefs 
Back-to-back Super Bowl champs. First back-to-back Super Bowl champion since the Patriots in 03-04. And three Super Bowl titles in five seasons. Tons to get to. That's the big show's big deal on this 12th day of February 2024. 875-KTGR. Call or text us here. I think we have to start with the fact that this game really accelerated mid-third quarter of course, the entire fourth and all of overtime, it was fantastic after Brendan, it was kind of a slog it out, kind of boring. I mean, field goals here, field goals there, fumbles. Nobody can hang on to the ball. What's happening? Why can't these two teams uh, deliver punches? That was about as good of a finish as you could have asked for. Man, was it ever. And look, it did. The game got off to a slow start. For both teams with their starting running backs fumbling in the first half. The Chiefs offensively, man, they Patrick Mahomes struggled. Like I think it's okay to say he didn't play well in the first half. Uh, the Chiefs defense is a, a big reason that the Kansas City Chiefs were able to hang in, uh, prevent the Niners from kind of running away with it. And the Chiefs, you know, even disappointment heading into half, not able to score a touchdown, they have to settle for three. But Andy, when the Kansas City Chiefs defer and you can score some points before half, and then you get the ball. Even though that possession after the half didn't work out for KC, it just felt going into half like it was still their game to lose in many ways because we know what this team is capable of when it comes to second-half defense. And, boy, did did they play some pretty good second-half defense. And uh, offensively, you said it. I mean, Mahomes picked up when it counted and was just absolutely incredible down the stretch of this game. Just some unbelievable offensive football that, uh, again, even in a year like this when they have their issues, it just feels almost inevitable that a guy like Patrick Mahomes is going to come through in the clutch. I mean, it happens every year now. We just have to expect it at this point. We can't just discount it at all, even with how bad the Chiefs look at times. And, look, they did they did not look all that great, nor did the, did the Niners, if we're being honest, throughout the first portion of the game. They did get the touchdown uh, on the trick play. And uh, with turnovers affecting both teams, but neither team being able to, to really immediately capitalize on those early turnovers, it just seemed that uh, this game was right there for the taking for either team in the first half, and neither team really took a stranglehold on it. That's why it was kind of it was kind of sloppy football through the first part of it. And we were wondering throughout halftime, like, who's the MVP? Who's it going to be this time? Like, there's no clear-cut candidate. All of a sudden, Jawan Jennings started doing things, and that was going to be the dark horse candidate all of a sudden if the Niners had, had hung on. And I, he would have had my vote with how he affected the game. In the end, I mean, it. yes, Mahomes was the MVP. Yes, he was fantastic throughout the uh, the second half, I think, and then, of course, overtime when his team needed him the most. He made the plays on the biggest stage. That's what you ask of an MVP, and I think it does very clearly define the award there. I don't really see a single player on this Chiefs team that you know big time shined over anybody else. I mean, there were, there were plenty of players that stepped up. Whoever blocked the kick on the extra point to keep it a three-point game instead of four points after the Niners scored another touchdown. Like, uh, that play, I mean, the the Hardman catch, the, the I mean, MVS, uh, all kinds of different contributors to this game, 
And in the end, Mahomes will will get all of the respect and all of the love, and he should. But the defense, Brendan, it just needed to be perfect in, in some spots and and hold to field goals when they could. And they ended up doing that against a Niners team that had looked like they were really running the football well. Absolutely. And you mentioned the, the the fact that there really wasn't one guy standing out above another. It was even in the overtime period where we're sitting there, I'm watching the game with my family, and I was saying the same thing that you were saying about Jennings, man. He's probably the MVP if the Niners win that game. But then I got the question from one of my family members, who's the MVP if the Chiefs win? I said, honestly, it's probably going to have to be Patrick Mahomes because if the Chiefs win the game, he's about to do something that's going to earn it for them because to that point we just hadn't really seen anybody stand out. But the the unsung heroes forever when there's a team quarterback by Patrick Mahomes, he's going to get the headlines. Is this defense in Steve Spagnuolo? He had an absolutely splendid second half, especially as you get toward the, the fourth quarter and in the overtime period where he dialed up just the right blitzes to make sure that they were able to hold the Niners to field goals when they had to. Some really incredible stuff defensively. Uh, You can't say enough about what this defense did all year. It carried the Chiefs long enough to where the offense was able to figure things out, Andy, and and it did, honestly, the exact same thing in this Super Bowl. Kind of a microcosm of the season to see some of the miscues in the first half, but the defense keeping them in it. The Chiefs only got down by 10. They never were too far behind to where this game got out of reach, and I think that's the reason that this team was able to kind of coalesce at halftime, come up with a game plan, and execute it. Uh, and, of course, the, the muff punt. Like, you cannot give this Chiefs team opportunities. And the Niners made one grave mistake in the second half, and, and the Chiefs were able to capitalize. It was the one time that somebody capitalized on a turnover in that game. And you, the Chiefs, essentially, they kill you when that happens. So, I mean, that part of it and the fact that the Chiefs held up towards the end, I mean, I... I'm not too surprised by that part. I'm surprised with how the Chiefs got here with the way with with how the season was was looking towards the end of the regular year and then all of a sudden they they turn the switch on. 875KTGR call or text us. Steve texting in. What's sweeter? Winning on the road or winning on the Raiders home field or making Elway deliver the trophy to the Chiefs? Ah, oh, I love that. <laughs> They both happen, so we don't have to pick which yeah, one is sweeter. I mean, hey, they're both sweet. <laughs> Sweetest thing in sports. It's a John Elway thing, by the way. <laughs> is oh. it John Elway? I think it is. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Because that's well, not where the Raiders have always been, right? Right. Just, yeah. It's just Vegas. Regardless, though, I mean, just some incredible stuff. Everything coming up, Chiefs. I, I, like, it's so difficult. So many things happen in the game, guys, to where it's hard to, like, pinpoint all the moments. But I'll, I'll just go straight to overtime, where for me, and you can make what you will about the Shanahan decision, Andy. I think that's been a, a hot topic of conversation yeah. today as to whether or not they should have taken the ball to start overtime. But once the Chiefs knew what they needed to do with their possession, I said, man, if they could just get to midfield before dealing with a fourth down play, I'm going to feel pretty good. They weren't able to do that. They had the fourth and one on the wrong side of midfield. But a, a Chiefs team that often struggles in short yardage, They found the right play in Patrick Mahomes using his legs. He had a great game on the ground. Once they did that, Andy, I said, this is a team locked in and ready to repeat, and they were able to do exactly that later on in the drive. When they get that chance, it's it's hard to stop them. And so uh, that does kind of bring up, like, okay, there's there's been discussion today of, okay, how much did the Chiefs win this? How much did the 49ers lose this? 
they obviously had their chances uh, towards the end to put the game away. Didn't do so. Chiefs had the door open the entire time, kept it open, and eventually walked right through. The Niners are, I mean, I here's what I put blame on with Kyle Shanahan. Look, I... I think people are piling on Shanahan for a lot of reasons today. He can't win the big one. Uh, why are you taking the ball first? The biggest thing that you need to be upset with Kyle Shanahan on is his players not knowing the rules. That's the biggest <laughs> That's the biggest indictment to me. Because yeah. if the 49ers aren't going out there knowing exactly how overtime works now in this stage, in the postseason, the first time that we had ever implemented these rules in any postseason game, these players got to know that's part of the head coach's job to make sure that the entire team, all the way down to the equipment manager, knows how overtime works in the Super Bowl, in yep. the most important moment. Kyle Shanahan deserves a lot of blame for that. Yeah, but, I, yeah, make, yeah. Whatever, make whatever you will of the decision, Andy. I agree with you. This is a, this is a glaring omission in their preparation, and, and it's an area where Andy Reid, absolutely got the better of Shanahan in yes. this case. When you hear about postgame, them working on these things all the way back to training camp, they practice like they played, and they envisioned themselves back in this scenario where it could come up. And not only did it come up, it comes up in the biggest moment of the season, and the Chiefs were ready for it. But the explanation, too, on Shanahan's decision to take the ball first of we want to have the ball third kind of falls flat as well, given that we just know the Chiefs would have gone for two. You're not going to let your season go up to anything other than Patrick Mahomes trying to make a play on the two-yard line if it really came down to it. Yeah. But the fact that they didn't know the rule, I think, is is the bottom line. No, I mean, you got to know they're going for two, Andy. There was never going to well, be a Well, but here's the thing. Like, uh, okay, so the situation, I mean, again, it, uh, I agree. They, the Chiefs, if they do the smart thing, they go for two in that in that scenario. There's other ways you can match, though. I mean, the, the 49ers had a field goal, and if they had held the Chiefs to a field goal, I know it's very easy to say after the fact, well, of course was, Mahomes was going to march down the field and get a touchdown. But he is Patrick at, Mahomes. But at I the mean, end of regulation, they, he, had, he was in the exact same situation, and they held him to a field goal. So, and, now in and, fairness, hold on. What? what? He ran out of time. In regulation. What? Listen, you're, Andy, if you stop saying what, I'll tell you. You're better than this because at the end of regulation, they ran out of time, not downs. There was no time issue in overtime. So that's, that's apples and oranges. But at the same time, one touchdown all game long up to that point, and it was off the muffed punt. I mean, they they had held the Chiefs to field goals in a lot of that yeah. game. So, I no, I'm not going to say, here's the thing. If I was in Kyle Shanahan's shoes, you're right. Kicking first is is probably the right decision. It, 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 your mentality is a lot more comfortable if you're going second and you know what you need to do. I don't think that decision cost the Niners the game. I don't think no, I thought it had very it little effect on the winner of this game. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Like, there's a lot of ways it could, that you could have gone about it. Honestly, for me, though, if you do take the ball first as they did, I, what do you think about fourth and four from the nine? Because I almost think, and again, I know you're going to say, well, maybe you hold Mahomes to a field goal. And I know they've done it all game, but realistically, man, in that spot, it's like the whole world knew Mahomes was leading a touchdown drive. So for me, if you take the ball, I'm going full Dan Campbell, and I'm going for that fourth and four personally to try and make sure I get a get a touchdown. That's I don't know if you'll agree with that, but I think that's the only way that I'm okay with taking the ball first, unless it was purely 
a, a situation where the defense was so tired that they needed to get him off the field, in which case they, they, that's not going to show up on analytics. You just got to go with your gut on that. I mean, there's. I think it's a decision that look, I, I think the NFL did a good job with this rule because I don't think there's a clear-cut choice of what you should do in this situation every single time. Like the college OT rule, there's a clear-cut decision. You yeah. go on defense. There's no yep. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You go on defense first because, I mean, with the way that the, that the procedures work out, everyone's going to get a chance to match, everything like that. There is a the way this was designed, I think, was very good because there actually is an advantage from time to time of taking the ball first. And if you do match your first possessions, then all of a sudden you have the control and you can go down and win the game without the other team getting to do anything about it. You can. I agree. You can argue that when Patrick Mahomes is on the other side, you don't give him that control. That's fine. I I do think, though, that with this rule, you're going to see teams take the football first, and I think you'll see them be successful eventually. Yeah, I think that's I think that's possible. It's a lot of kind of game theory stuff, but at the end of the day, I just I, I agree with you that it boils down to the fact that the players didn't know the rule. And I know some people might look at it and say, "Well, McCole Hardman didn't know he won the game," and as he said, Andy, I think he just blacked out. Like that well, was yeah. just the <laughs> moment of he was so locked in on what he needed to do. And it was like once Travis Kelsey saw, you know, this is a play we've seen before for the Chiefs, right? Once Travis Kelsey saw that the defender was coming his way, he knew McCole Hardman was wide open and he started the celebration, man. That was incredible for it to happen the way that it did. But I just wanted to clarify, I don't blame McCole for not maybe knowing he had just won right. the Super Bowl. There's a lot going on. <laughs> right, yeah, no, he caught the touch. That, what is more indefensible is, wasn't it Kyle Juszczyk, the one who went out for the coin toss? Wasn't that the captain who made the call? Uh, in the very end, or was it somebody you know, else? It might have been. I, I, I assume now. My the way I read the way I read the call from Uzcheck, the the quote after the fact in his audio, it sounded like he. It wasn't his decision, but maybe he communicated the decision. I assume it was Shanahan's decision to say, "Hey, this is what we're doing." Obviously, communicated to whoever the captain calling that was, which I don't even remember. Uh, I'm sure they showed it on TV, Andy, yeah. but they, it was just so amped up. I don't even remember what that what that looked well, like in the moment. Right, but again, it was kind of like it, it seemed like a disconnect of Juszczyk knew what they wanted to do but didn't know why, and yeah. and then Kyle Shanahan had this reasoning at the end, which, look, he, he explained it. You can agree with it or not. He had the reasoning as to why they wanted to take the football first, but it was not very clear that his team knew why, and it seemed like a coincidence that they took the football first because Kyle Shanahan wanted them to. It just it, it didn't seem right at the very end. And look, I don't know if we'll ever yeah. know the truth about this, but it it's not a good look in the end. So Kyle Shanahan, I mean, yes, he's gonna he's gonna take some heat uh, for for a lot of things. Again, he he blew a ten point lead uh, as an offensive coordinator uh, with the Falcons, and now twice as a head coach for the Niners. He's taking this heat. I. I don't want to pile on to him too much, though. Is that That's is fair. that wrong, Brendan? Like, no, it, I mean, look, I don't think it's wrong. Like, you can, I I understand there's game planning and things like that. Bottom line, there were several mistakes made in this game that had nothing to do with Kyle Shanahan that uh, the Niners could have used, flipped in their yeah. favor, and won this game. And, and look, with right now, we're talking about. Kyle Shanahan as one of the uh, one of the top coaches in the league, but just can't win the big one, right? Who were we? Who were we putting in that seat 
not too long ago, Brendan. Andy yep. Reid, he was with there the Eagles. with the Eagles. Yes. And, it, I mean, he was trying to do it with the Chiefs. I mean, they, they weren't having very much playoff success with Alex Smith, and then all of a sudden they get Mahomes and they have this great meteoric rise, gets to the AFC Championship game. They don't get it done. Brady still beats them. There's still that cloud over yeah. Andy Reid's head, right? I mean, yeah. if you keep putting yourself in this position as a 44-year-old Kyle Shanahan has got – a lot of coaching career left in him if he keeps coaching at this level. Eventually, I think he will break through. Okay, so here's what's interesting about that. You asked the question earlier, did the Niners lose it or did the Chiefs take it from them? I think an example of how the Chiefs just simply went out and won this game kind of correlates to what you're saying about Shanahan and Andy Reid. What happened to Andy Reid? How did he become a Super Bowl winner? He got Patrick Mahomes we got to ask, does Kyle Shanahan have the quarterback? I'm going to say, Andy, Brock Purdy, I thought, played pretty well last night, and he reinforced exactly what happened in the NFC Championship game. You cannot bring this guy down. He is so darn slippery. I was very impressed by just the inability for the Chiefs. They'd almost get home, and then he would find a way to get rid of the football, even for an incomplete, to live to fight another day. But I want to credit, once again, Steve Spagnuolo for recognizing that and just finding ways to say, hey, that's all right. We're going to make sure, though, that Christian McCaffrey, as great as CMC was last night, it doesn't deal us the death blow in this football game. I thought the game plan that they had was sort of bend but don't break against CMC, and you might say maybe they should have used him more, but I, I just feel like the game planning by the Chiefs, especially down the stretch defensively, was so darn strong, Andy. They knew what the strengths were of the 49ers, and they just did barely enough to make sure it didn't kill them. It, it was, yeah, I mean, there were... Several points in this game where I thought, oh, that's going to that's gonna do the Niners in. Oh, that's going to do the Chiefs in. What? Yep. Who's going to have the last, oh, shoot moment uh, if, of this game? And then the other team's just going to take advantage of that win, whatever it is. I mean, it felt that way for quite a while, and then the Chiefs finally got uh, the opportunity in the end to, uh, to win it. So, hey, three Super Bowls in five years. That's not too bad, Chiefs Kingdom. We'll talk more about that at... 505. Give us your thoughts. 875-KTGR if you want to call or text us here on the show. We're going to get uh, more thoughts from Gravelly Voice Brendan here uh, a little bit later on. But uh, next we'll go to our good buddy Jeff Parles, who was in Vegas all week long during Super Bowl week, uh, hosting Sports by the Book for South Point Studio. He'll join us to give us his Super Bowl reaction next on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Back on the big show, KTGR, KTGR.com, and the KTGR app. Again, talking all things Super Bowl 58, the Chiefs winning their third in the last five seasons and back-to-back Super Bowls. No one's done that in the NFL for 20 years, but the Chiefs sir, have been able to do that uh, here in the last couple of seasons. And here to talk with us about... Super Bowl 58, the day after, is our good friend Jeff Parles. He's one of the hosts of Sports by the Book on South Point Studios, and you can find him on Twitter at Jeff Parles, of course, a a former co-host of this fine radio program here in Columbia, and uh, really happy to have Jeff. I I know uh, we have to start with the obvious, though, Jeff. Uh, First question right out of the gate. I know everybody's wondering, what was the view like from on top of the sphere last week? Oh, jeez. Great, great, great. You know, so, so I, I got it. So I was out at Media Row the whole week last week, Cubs, yeah. and I, uh, 
and I and I and I get a text from I forget I I actually got a text from uh, a friend of a mutual friend of ours uh, and former uh, Zimmer Radio Group employee Ross Weber actually ah. who uh, who asked the exact same question <laughs> as you. Um, and, I mean, and we like, all assumed. Hey, now we knew, like, hey, Jeff, uh, we we hope you come down in one piece. All right, just you know, be careful. No, it's really, it's really, yeah, look, this is spectacular. No, but in all seriousness, I got to give credit to the uh, the the. the uh, Look, I don't want to give a credit to someone who would be stupid enough to climb that thing, but credit to them for not killing themselves by climbing up that thing, in all honesty. Uh, And in all honesty, it's probably a pretty risky thing. Look, I don't know how the technology works uh, specifically, but it it rained more this week, basically, than it has in, like, the last 16 months. So I'm kind of stunned the dude didn't get electrocuted, in all honesty, Andy. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of crazy to uh, uh, to think about how uh, what the logistics of the whole thing for uh, for whoever it was. But, hey, you know, we, we're glad that you made it through the week uh, in one piece, Jeff, because I know it was a crazy week uh, in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl and a crazy game, too, especially toward the end. Uh, I know it was kind of sloppy to get there, but both teams, uh, of course, locked in uh, in the second half and, and tried to. Uh, go step for step with each other and uh, did a pretty good job of that, especially defensively. But I wonder how you kind of saw it play out towards the end with the Chiefs finally getting the last kill shot. Yeah, you know, it, it was it was a pretty mediocre three quarters, if we're being honest here. And it was uh, the first half was really just the Niners making making one mistake per drive that derailed themselves. That opening drive, it looked like, oh, this might be a day where the Niners show up and, and the Chiefs' defense doesn't play well, and, and then McCaffrey fumbles. Uh, the other drives got taken down because of stupid penalties or, or missing blocking assignments. Uh, when it's all said and done for the Niners, I think this will be looked back at a, as a game of what if, where – Look, in order to beat this era, look, this is like, in, we, we were, we obviously were young, we skew younger, you and I, Andy, but for teams that tried to go up against Jordan's Bulls in the mid-90s, like, you had to be perfect to beat them. And, look, Jordan, obviously, after he won his first title, only lost one playoff series, only lost that playoff series the year he came back mid-year to Shaq and Penny Hardaway in the Orlando Magic, and then your Rockets took care of Orlando anyway. Uh, but you've got to be perfect if you're going to beat Patrick Mahomes uh, when he has a functional offensive line. That's why they lost that one to Tampa, as we know. Uh, and in the end, the Niners just did not convert their opportunities. They made too many mistakes. I thought Purdy played pretty well. Uh, but in the end, they, look, you can't give Patrick Mahomes extra opportunities to win the game, and that's what the Niners did in the end. The fumble, the muff punt, the, McCa- the muff punt led to seven. The McCaffrey fumble took at least three off the board. Uh, and in the end, when you're dealing with now, if we're just going pure legacy, Andy, it's Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and Joe Montana are one, two, three. Order them, on, order them however you want. But no one's had a six-year stretch like the one Patrick Mahomes has just had, where he's been in the Super Bowl four times, he's been in the AFC title game all six times, and this year with, I mean, an offense that for a good chunk of the year was mediocre, the average at best, still managed to win the Super Bowl. It is amazing what has transpired with, with Mahomes and the Chiefs. 
And for a franchise that, look, Andy, you know it. We, we, you and I have both lived in mid-Missouri for, for a while. before, And when we both got there, the Chiefs were, were one of those franchises that finds ways to lose the big game. Yeah. That's what they were for 50 years. And now here they are. Uh, and five in, within five years, a five-year thing where they're the one team that you don't want to see has the ball trailing by three points in overtime or with two minutes to go because you know you're more likely than not going to get beat. For sure. Jeff Barles, uh, he's a host of Sports by the Book from South Point Studio in Las Vegas, joins us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. And, and yeah, I mean, uh, talking about the the legacy of Mahomes, how it's uh, started uh, with what we can pretty clearly say is a dynasty now with the three titles in five years, and then uh, what could happen afterward. But I just wonder how we maybe view this Super Bowl victory, because again, Jeff, you were saying that December when they're losing to the Raiders and we look at that offense and what it is like that that's not a Super Bowl winning offense all of a sudden I wonder how this win stacks up already to where uh, the other two were and how we might even talk about it for years to come with the type of team that Mahomes had with maybe not as many offensive weapons but certainly a very good defense to fall back on well, look, this is the Super Bowl win that pushes them into the dynasty category. I, I was I didn't think they were quite there yet. Now that Hey, look, you're the first back-to-back champion since the Patriots did it in ni- uh, 19 years ago. Uh, and now they, they're crossed into the dynasty realm for sure. And I think you'll remember this. Look, Andy, I, after after the Kadarius Tony offside play, I thought they were done. I thought that was it. They're, it, it, it's, it, it. The amount of adversity this team has dealt with, they haven't handled it well. Uh, obviously, Mahomes went after Mahomes and Reed went after the ref after that game against Buffalo. It was like, all right, it, it's over. Like this, they're not winning this year. It's okay. Like you're allowed to have a, a quote unquote down year. Like, but they're not winning it this year. And then the Raider game on Christmas happens. And like, oh my God, are they gonna? Are they even gonna? Are they even gonna win a playoff game if they get the wrong draw in the first round of the playoffs? And, and in the end. Uh, look, uh, when push comes to shove, and this is what the great teams do, and this is what New England, at least in the more recent run, not the first one, but the, the two, the two, the latter Super Bowl championships for the Patriots, they didn't have their best stuff in the regular season, but when the games mattered in the postseason, they found it. And that's what happened with this Kansas City team, and that's when, when you don't have your best team and you still find a way to win the Super Bowl anyway, that's when you cross over into the into the dynasty category, and that's where the Chiefs are. And now you look moving forward in an AFC where, look, by any stretch of the imagination, uh, I was doing this earlier today. I was on a call with a with a, with a, with a, with, a, with the the guy who helped with uh, my uh, talent coach, and we were just talking about, hey, like the eight best quarterbacks arguably in the NFL are all in the AFC, and the Chiefs still got through. And won the Super Bowl in the year where they weren't that good. Imagine if they improve if they improved the team in the regular season. It's going to be pretty scary uh, moving forward. Where I mean, look, Buffalo can't beat them in the playoffs. Uh, Cincinnati's had the best shot. It's been Burrow and Brady are the only two guys who have beaten Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. So uh, it's very hard to imagine that this isn't going to lead to at least another two or three Super Bowls over the next five six years for Kansas City, especially if they crack the code of having the highest paid quarterback in the league and still and are still winning the Super Bowl anyway on top of it. 
pretty insane, uh, the run that they could be on. Jeff Parles, our good friend, joining us here on the Big Show KTGR from Vegas, uh, from South Point Studio, host of Sports by the Book. Uh, let's maybe talk a little bit about the 49ers side. A lot made about the, the decision uh, to take the ball at the start of overtime with the new overtime rules. There's been confusion about who knew about the overtime rules and who did it on the 49ers side. And, it's, and that in, in of itself is pretty embarrassing. But, uh, I mean, the, the decision to... Uh, to receive in that situation, I wonder what you made of it as opposed to uh, deciding to kick. So I didn't like the decision. I get I get why there is at least a 50-50 split, it seems, uh, where – and Kyle Shanahan, I, to his credit after the game, uh, I was listening to the radio uh, with the Westwood One broadcast after the game, Andy – uh, and Mike Golick asked him about it, and Kyle Shanahan basically said, look, the analytics department, we got our heads together with the analytics department, and they said, you want the ball first because just if the game gets to a third possession, you want to have the ball where it's sudden death. I get that. I don't like that against Patrick Mahomes, though. Where And Luke Keekley, who, of course, was a great linebacker in the NFL with the Carolina Panthers for a decade, was on this morning with, uh, with Kay Adams on her show and basically said the decision was wrong because when you give elite quarterbacks, when they have four downs, which obviously it's four downs in that scenario all the way through, down three in overtime, they're so difficult to stop when they know they have to score, when they know they have an extra down, that giving Mahomes basically four downs from everywhere on the field makes it exponentially harder to get a stop. And I, and I, that's where I agree. I, I would have kicked, I would have deferred, uh, because, look, hey, uh, that fourth and one is your own 38-yard line where, where obviously it's a go for and when Kansas City has it. If that's the scenario, when Kansas City has the ball first, I'm pretty sure Andy Reid punts. I don't think that would have been the right decision, but I'm pretty sure Andy Reid punts and trusts his defense to at least get off the field and then get the ball back in a sudden death scenario. Uh, but, of course, when you're down three in the Super Bowl in overtime, you have to go for it on fourth and one. We know Mahomes picks it up. Uh, but in the end, look, for, for the Niners, they are a great football team. Brock Purdy, I thought, played pretty well yesterday. I thought the offensive line caused a lot of his bad throws where they were missing protections or committing penalties. Uh, and, okay, Mahomes is just their boogeyman at this point. And I would expect the Niners to be back in the scenario at some point within the next two three years. Uh, but if they run into Kansas City, it's going to be hard to expect them to beat Patrick Mahomes until they actually do it. For sure. Jeff Parles joining us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. And so for next year, of course, Kyle Shanahan's still going to get those questions. Can he win the big one uh, at some point? I'm sure if the team stays relatively intact, that they'll be uh, pretty good favorites to be right back in that position. But it'd just be a matter of uh, can they get the job done in the end? And then the AFC, as you mentioned, I mean, there, there are so many other quarterbacks, but they're all chasing Mahomes. Uh, I wonder what next year shapes up like and what will be interesting to watch in the offseason to change how we might think uh, who's going to get the better of whom this time next year yeah i'll pick the nfc first here where i still think by the way andy the early numbers for next year san francisco is the favorite to win the super bowl which i don't think which i get why they are i don't think that's right i think kansas city should always be listed as the favorite especially when they fought when they won the last two uh especially what they proved this year where they can win when they don't have their best team 
Uh, on the NFC side, look, I, I think the biggest question marks moving forward, uh, taking away San Francisco, they're pretty much going to be intact. They don't have a lot of big free agents. Purdy's just going to get better. They need they need some help in the second level on their defense, uh, and they need some help. And they need they need to, to get a little, little more than status quo on that offensive line. But they're they're going to be one of the two best teams in the NFC. Uh, the big question marks for me moving forward, there's two. Uh, one, does Jordan Love continue to improve like he did through this year? If he does, the Packers go into next year as the second-best team in the NFC today. They should have beat the Niners this go-around when they really were not that good. And Jordan Love, by the end of the year, was a, was, was a top-ten quarterback in the NFL. And if he's going to be a top-ten quarterback in the NFL, they're so youthful to begin with. It's pretty clear Matt LaFleur can coach. That's the team that makes the most sense to take the leap into being the second-best team. The Lions will be good again. I still think that defense needs a lot of help. The NFC East teams, I don't trust the, the Cowboys because they're the Cowboys, and McCarthy's still there. And the Eagles, I mean, look, the Eagles were an absolute disaster the last two months of the season. They were the worst team in the NFL by the end of the season other than Carolina. So how can I expect them to just flip it back? Yeah, and they have better coordinators now. Uh, with uh, Kellen Moore and, and Vic Fangio taking over those coordinator jobs. But it's hard to see that flip around that quickly. So NFC-wise, it's San Francisco and Green Bay for me. On the AFC side, look, you mentioned it. Everyone's chasing Mahomes. But when you have the ability of some of these quarterbacks behind him, look, uh, one, one, we saw Joe Burrow beat Kansas City already in Arrowhead in the playoff game. They came pretty darn close last year as well, where – if they don't commit that penalty, that game's going to overtime. Um, so, to me, if Burrow stays healthy and Cincinnati doesn't get totally hammered because they have some cap issues to work through this offseason, the Bengals are still – I know everyone says Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo. No, it's the Bengals. That's the team still. That is the closest competition to Kansas City. Yeah, the Bills will be there. I still don't trust them to beat Kansas City in a big spot. Miami's fraudulent. Um the Houston Texans are interesting, but I still think they're a few pieces away uh, from realistically being a threat to Casey. I is, think Baltimore, uh, is Baltimore a threat at all, you think? Yeah, I, I, look, I'm getting, they, they, they were the last team I'm getting to uh, here. I just, I Sorry. just <laughs> don't see Lamar Jackson being a guy that gets you and wins the Super Bowl. I just don't see it. He's a great player. He's an impossible guy to prepare for in the regular season. Uh, but if they didn't beat Kansas City this year with home field, with an elite defense, I don't see when they beat them. So it's Cincinnati. To me, it's Cincinnati is the, is the team because I think Joe Burrow is still the second-best quarterback in the NFL. He, that's the team that is closest to possibly knocking off Kansas City. But there's no reason to think they will until proven otherwise. Yeah, you just got to assume that Mahomes is going to do his thing. And so the, until somebody else does it with some sort of consistency, that's that's just going to be the state of the AFC going forward. Hey, great to have Jeff Parles of South Point Studio, host of Sports by the Book in Vegas, and a former uh, good friend here uh, of this fine radio program. He was on uh, for several years here, and great to have him back here on the Big Show KTGR. You can follow him at Jeff Parles on Twitter. Jeff, thanks again for coming on, and uh, yeah, just... Stick to the rock climbing wall, okay? Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, Adam. Appreciate you, Jeff. Oh, man. Big show's on at uh, 444 KTGR and KTGR.com. No, we're not uh, absolutely confirming that it was Jeff Parles on top of the sphere. It's just uh, the, the running joke 
Um, but uh, it, it's uh, it, we, we all just drew conclusions all of a sudden uh, once we saw oh man in Vegas on top of the sphere oh, must be Jeff gotta be Jeff gotta, gotta, be, gotta be Jeff man no it wasn't him uh, he was he was fine and uh, hey I'm sure it was a fun week uh, over in Vegas uh, to have the Super Bowl there all I right he was uh, planning some like three casino heist while the big game was going that's on. what he was doing okay that's what we didn't know so there you go Bellagio the MGM right brand. exactly. Yeah, it's not important. But we're not supposed to know those things. Uh, 49ers are, again, uh, under the bus from uh, from the Super Bowl last night about who knew what and as far as the overtime. And, my goodness, the final moment was ruined on the CBS broadcast by the guy that we kind of thought would ruin it. That's next. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. <laughs> It's time to go under the bus on the big show. Well, we have to go back to the 49ers uh, here on Under the Bus. Andy Brendan and producer Chris all here. Again, how can not everybody on the team know the overtime rules? It just is uh, It's revealing that Kyle Shanahan did not make sure that everybody in the organization knew exactly what to do. And that, I think, was the worst thing of yesterday. Kyle Shanahan, I'm not going to pile on him today, but that was a terrible moment. You can't have it. Andy, sometimes the narrative of can't win the big game has reason behind it, and that was a flub by Shanahan in preparation, no doubt. Can't do that. Under the bus. You also can't do what Tony Romo did in in the final play. My goodness. Shut the bleep up. Tony Romo. Like, it it was touchdown. Jim Nance had a great call. Jackpot Kansas City, and then it was there to just leave it. But Tony Romo had to come bursting in like the Kool-Aid man and try to give his analysis right away. Oh, yeah. Stop it. Oh, Andy, he acted like it was the third week of October in the middle of the second quarter. I mean, look, I get it. You knew what happened on the play, Tony. We're proud of you. But that's not the time or the place. What should have happened, let the nice call by Jim Nance breathe. Maybe he adds to it after allowing the moment to kind of marinate. And then you can swoop in. But that was awful. It went on for like 40 seconds. Look, I I defend broadcasters in their job almost all of the time. You know me. Like I I what do I say, Brendan? You've joked like I never say anybody's bad, right? That's that's the joke you've had with me. But it's a hard job. It is. It's a hard like, job. Like I I know exactly what they're going through. Tony Romo was awful yesterday. I I can't defend it. Like and I don't know what CBS is going to do. They're shelling out a whole lot of money. They might just have to wear it and just say, "Look, Romo's going to have to be in the chair for a while." Like it or not, but it's bad, it, and it was really bad yesterday. And even before the call, he's like, "What's he babbling on about?" Before the biggest play well, of the game, he was trying to tell people about the overtime rule and how the time on the clock didn't matter. Right. And 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 I get that, but he took a while to explain it. Honestly, he had an okay game, but a bad very end of the game on on those fronts. Can't, under the bus. Can't be doing that. And under the bus, the waste management open in Phoenix. This was a really big mess why what happened uh during the weekend well apparently like on saturday they stopped letting people in even people who had tickets to the events like it got so crazy uh everybody getting drunk and unruly there were golfers that were complaining about you know fans talking or yelling during the backswing like it got really bad there was uh uh, 
unfortunately, a woman who collapsed during the event. Oh, and, like no. there, there were some real safety issues going on at the Waste Management Open this weekend. They like, cut off beer and alcohol sales and everything like that. Like it was, it was really bad. And they got like a wow. like it. One of the things that makes you maybe change the event going forward because it's known as like no. a huge party atmosphere, especially on sixteen. But it might have to change up after this year. And it is going to change because players complain too. Zach Johnson, I think it was, yeah. Andy, was upset. Which, again, I think he should be chirped. He was a bad Ryder Cup captain. But certain things are just, it's going to get to the point where they will have to make changes. Yeah. It's Under the bus. Unfortunately, that had to happen, uh, you know, in, in a year where, you know, the golfers were pretty good this time. Uh, but, man, that was not a great finish to what's usually a very fun event in golf. It's time for the sweetest thing in sports on the big show. Sweetest thing is with our friends in the Candy Factory. Valentine's Day is on Wednesday, and if you've waited till the last minute, you can still get those chocolate-covered strawberries on Valentine's Day while they last, though. So don't put it off. Candy Factory in downtown Columbia online at thecandyfactoryonline.com. Gotta say, it was pretty sweet. For a guy like McCole Hardman, who did not start his year on the Chiefs, he was a New York Jet all of a sudden, and then he goes back to the Chiefs. He has a really bad blunder in the Super, or not the Super Bowl, but in the playoffs against the Bills with the goal line fumble, and everybody's piling on him again. But then he comes up in that moment and makes the catch on that play. I I feel so great for for McCole Hardman, the redemption story there, Brendan. And it's important when you think about. Kadarius Tony, train wreck, Sky Moore, injured, underperformer, getting Hardman back as much as we can joke about him, Andy. He came through when it counted, and, and that just has to feel good for, again, the guy who started the year with the Jets of all teams. Yeah, it's incredible how it uh, all came together for him, and how he was just one of several guys who had to step up in their spots to be able to put the Chiefs in position. Look, Patrick Mahomes got the MVP, not saying he's not deserving. He clearly had a great finish to the game and a very big reason why the Chiefs are back-to-back Super Bowl champs. And now we can kind of have more of the GOAT conversation with Mahomes, with Andy Reid, with Travis Kelsey, maybe just with this franchise. How does it stack up as far as dynasties across NFL history. We'll talk on that next here on The Big Show. Then Larissa Anderson, Mizzou softball coach, joins us at 545.